Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to yet again another Bait to Gila Community Podcast. How exciting today. We've got another tour portion in the book of Numbers. And let's just say that by the end of this tour portion, things start to turn south. The tour portion is called Beha Alatka, which is in your going up, can be found in the book of Numbers starting at chapter 8, verse 1, and ending in chapter uh, 12, verse 16. A lot of stuff to cover today. Just a uh, quick reference here in regard to the book of Numbers. It's the journey to God's rest land. And we have, of course, three key words found in the book of Numbers. Service, war, and wilderness. Uh, Another important factor to remember is that you can break up the book of Numbers into uh, three time segments or three parts. Uh, At Sinai, this is the preparation for the journey. It would be actually chapters 1 through 9. And this took place within a few weeks, part one, okay? Uh, We're going to be hitting into, and we're already in uh, part two. Uh, This is, of course, the journey uh, to Moab. This takes place about 39 years. Now, in conclusion to the third part, this is at the gate to the land at Moab on, uh, you know, on the banks of the Jordan River there on the plains of Moab, at the gate to the land. Now, Ryan, this takes place within a few months, So something's going to accelerate quickly here uh, as we develop into this story. And it definitely is a lesson to be learned. Uh, Once again, at the gate to the land is the third part at Moab. This takes place within a few months. uh, I would say chapters 22 through 36, okay? And uh, just going back to part two, it's uh, actually chapter uh, 10, verse 11, through chapter 21, verse 4. Uh, And then part one is chapters 1 through 9. So there are your three segments to the book of Numbers. And of course, we're going to be discussing today. We're going to be looking at uh, some subject matter here. Here are my bullet points. We're going to be discussing the menorah. Levites are purified. Feast of Passover. The silver trumpets. The journey continues. Complaining. Delegation and a shared spirit. Last but not least, sibling rivalry. Oh, so here we go. What was the purpose of the seven lamps on the menorah or the candlestick in the King James Version? Numbers 8-2. To give light. To give light. Once again, the menorah was uh, given uh, and made to give light. The only light that you would have in the inner court as it is surrounded with no windows. And what was the menorah made of in Numbers 8-4? It was made out of beaten gold. Beaten gold. One talent and one piece. Just a little friendly reminder as we reflect on the menorah, literally reflect, if you know what I mean. (laughs) We have the personal pronoun, his is used in Exodus 25, verses 31 through 40, to describe the menorah, his shaft, his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers. So uh, there there it is. It's the personal pronoun. the, The menorah represents the Holy Spirit and the olive oil that goes into it. And uh, once again, it's important to know that the menorah is very, very important. Uh, Just get this picture of the uh, Holy of Holies, Yahweh sitting on the Ark of the Covenant. It's like a throne. Uh, The angels' wings come together. It's like a backrest. He's sitting on the Torah. He has the mercy seat. 
So while you see that with, within the ark, also remember that he's looking down into the inner court. And we are going to have an interesting play on the furniture there because right now we do have a lot of spirits in the earth, but we need the menorah, which is the Holy Spirit. To the right is the table of showbread, everybody. If you have a right spirit, you make your way to the table of showbread. And then you, of course, what do you do? You find your identity. Uh, you come to the table. It's a double rim table. Uh, you can't fall off. The bread's there. And of course, it is changed out uh, every Sabbath. The bread is changed out. So there's your Shabbat. There's your Commonwealth of Israel. And then what he wants to do with us uh, is, to, of course, to bring us to the altar of incense. And he wants us to pray accordingly to his perfect will, uh, not our opinions or what we think. So there you have it, folks. In the inner court, God is looking down. He's seeing a lot of activity. We need a right spirit. Come to the table as the commonwealth of Israel, and then we will be shown the right things to pray for. Well, and how practical is the menorah? I mean, it's it's a, it's a it gives light, right? So if, if it represents the Holy Spirit, think about all the things that you can know, all the, the, the things that you can do, but without the Holy Spirit... It's like, you know, walking around in the dark. Absolutely. I mean, the menorah is an important piece in this Torah portion. Uh, now we're going to go into the subject matter of, of course, the Levites are purified. Once again, think of this as leadership. The leaders are purified. We talked about this in the last Torah portion about a community is set up and all of that. Now they're being purified. And uh, did the Levites require cleansing? Yes. Numbers 8, 6. Yes, they did. And uh, what three things were required of the Levites for the cleansing process? Uh, numbers 8, 7. So they would sprinkle water on them, uh, shave all of their flesh, and wash their clothes. So there's the process. There's the cleansing process right there. Uh, sprinkle water on them, shave all their flesh, wash their clothes. Now, did the Levites have to perform animal sacrifices for the cleansing process? Of course. Yes, Numbers yeah. 8, 8. And of course, who put their hands upon the Levites in Numbers 8, 10? Uh, it was the children of Israel. But the children of Israel. Notice a group, folks, not laying hands on themselves. They're not doing that. They're they're laying their hands on the priests, the children of Israel. Uh, Ryan's going to read in reference to this uh, incredible uh, Levitical priesthood, Numbers 8, 14. All right, so it says, Thus shall you separate... Uh, Thus shall thou separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. Once again, to separate, badal, it means to divide. <laughs> you know, in the days in which we live, uh, God doesn't want you to be comfortable. He doesn't want you just being comfort and complacent. He wants you to be a mover and a shaker. He wants to use you in an incredible way. If you'll let him, right. if you'll surrender, if you'll if you'll just be helpless and let him come in. And when we're weak, he's strong. And I uh, can't say that enough that he really, really, really wants to use you. So if you wake up every day and you just don't fit in, you can thank God for that because he put that in you. He doesn't want you to fit in, you know. Actually, it, it says in Leviticus, I have severed you from the people. Severed mm -hmm. means there's no tendons, no veins. He has severed you. Yeah. So you you have to think of it like that. And, and that's incredible. And uh, Numbers eight seventeen did the firstborn of man and beast from the children of Israel belong to the Lord? They did. The firstborn belongs to the Lord. That's why he could take the firstborn of Egypt. They That's belong right. to him. Uh, what was the beginning and ending age for the Levites who served in the tabernacle in reference to Numbers eight twenty four and verse 25? So now uh, it's ages 25 through 50 instead of 30 through 50. Very good. Now, uh, they lowered it from 30 to 25. Remember the law first mentioned. Uh, we'll look at that in Numbers chapter 4, uh, verse 3 and verse 47. The original age was 30 years old. And how old was Yeshua? Of course. He was 30. 
He was 30 when he began his ministry. You could also find this reference in 1 Chronicles chapter 23 and verse 3. Now, this is where it gets to be very interesting. It says ages 25 to 50, so they're lowering the age. So this, this can go back to the priestly divisions or the courses of 24 uh, courses with King David. 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verses 1 through 32, we have the age changed to 20, Ryan. So you go from 30 to 25 to 20. And I believe this was done not, of course, uh, in any other controversy, but the simple fact of, or a contradiction. But I think it actually is uh, a need. Uh, the priests were needed. Uh, and you can actually see this in First Chronicles chapter 23, verses 24 and 27. The age dropped down to 20. Just like here at Beit Tehillah, Ryan, we talked about, uh, if you're 12 and up, you can serve. Uh, once you hit the the... the awesome age of 12 you can be in media you can be in childcare. you can be doing things and serving in, in ways that are greater at, at a lower age so we're not waiting for 20 we need some help right now yeah <laughs> now we've talked about the menorah we've talked about the levites are purified now let's talk about the feast of passover we're just moving right along here folks as you are listening and and being uh uh enlightened here uh when was passover celebrated numbers chapter 9 verses 1 through 3 uh, so I'm just going to read the verse. It says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. In the fourteenth day of this month, at even, these shall keep it in, in his appointed season according to all the rites of it and according to all the ceremonies thereof, ye shall keep it. So it's the fourteenth day of the first month. 14th day of the first month. Now, here we go. We're going to have something very incredible happening here. Uh, what a loving God. Uh, Numbers chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Why were certain men unable to keep the Passover? Uh, these men w were defiled with the body of a dead man. So, if, you know, they say they were doing some sort of a funeral service or something, and they were unclean and weren't able to, to keep the Passover because of a ceremonial uncleanness. And if I'm not mistaken... <clears throat> I do believe Moses went before the Lord in this situation. Yep. And the Lord came back, and uh, in Numbers 9-11, uh, the Lord comes back to Moses and gives him some instructions in regard to this. Uh, yeah, he does. He says that they could celebrate it on the 14th day of the second month, and what we commonly refer to now as the second Passover. This is the only feast day that you can make up, everyone. That is incredible. That is incredible. Just another reference for you as we throw this out. Uh, you know, where's an example of this in the Bible? You can find this with King Hezekiah in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verses 1 through 27. That's right. They were not able to keep the first Passover. They moved into the second Passover. I'm just paraphrasing here. You can go back and read the, the content of the story. And the fascinating thing is they still were not really prepared. They were still not really clean, ceremonially wise. And the Lord accepted them anyway because Hezekiah prayed. He says, I'll accept that. Praise God. And and it was so incredible, Ryan, that they actually celebrated Unleavened Bread another seven days. Well, it's just... And God it's, allowed it all. It's he the, allowed it. It's the way to your matters. Are you approaching I think it's God awesome. with humility and, and love and a desire to serve Him? You know, those are those are the things that God is looking you know, for let, from us. Let, let your desires be God desires. Yeah. You know? uh, Numbers 9, 14, we're still talking about Passover. Yep, here we go. It says, this is, I'm just going to read the verses, and if a stranger shall sojourn among you and will keep the Passover unto the Lord according to the ordinance of the Passover and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. Ye shall have one ordinance both for the stranger and for him that is born in the land. See the standard? What? What? There's Wait. no double standard It's here. one one law? 
one one ordinance. It, it is. It's it is. Huh. It's one. It's it's one law, one ordinance. That's right. Yeah. Uh, moving on here. Um, what covered the tabernacle by day and night? Numbers nine sixteen. Uh, it was a cloud by day and the uh, fire by night. So get this picture: cloud by day, fire by night. They would follow it. It has been noted that the cloud protected them from the sun. So this is heavenly SPF. Just awesome. apply. Yeah. Just get under the cloud, right? Get under the cloud, and uh, that's, I mean, that's what a incredible. what a picture of God's provision and protection, though. I mean, it makes you wonder why they didn't burn up. You know, it yeah. makes sense that He put a cloud over them. Right. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, Numbers nine seventeen. Uh, when the cloud moved, did the tabernacle and the children of Israel move with it? They sure did. Yep. So the cloud would move, and they would then pack up everything and and move to wherever the cloud went. Now, this is an interesting note. The children of Israel had a total of forty two encampments. So in 40 years, leaving Egypt, uh, they actually encamped in 42 places. Uh, just a little reminder, we're celebrating 20 years of the Beit Yehla congregation. Thank you, Yahweh. And uh, praise to Him. All glory to Him. And the, the cool thing is, we only had to go to eight places, starting in the living room. And at 1705 Lithia Pinecrest Road, right here in Brandon, Florida, uh, this is our eighth destination, our eighth spot. It means new beginnings. And boy, have we had some new beginnings here? Oh, yeah. Now we're going to be moving into another subject matter in regard to the two silver trumpets. Oh, yeah. Numbers 10-2. Uh, what did the Lord tell Moses to make to call the assembly together? Could it be two silver two trumpets? Two silver trumpets, just like you need two witnesses, <laughs> That's right? That's right, yeah. And what would happen when both trumpets were blown in Numbers 10-3? When you heard both sounds of, the, of, of two trumpets, what was it saying? Uh, that meant that the assembly shall assemble themselves at the door of the tabernacle. The assembly shall assemble themselves at the so door. So it's a call there. to come. It's a call yeah, to, to it's, come it's and show up. It's everybody. It's the yep. whole assembly. Notice this isn't about one person. When you hear the trumpet, assemble yourself as an individual. Yeah. This is going towards a group of people, folks. What would happen if only one trumpet was blown in Numbers 10.4? The princes, which are the heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves. Wow, the princes, the leadership. So it's like a leadership meeting. So one trumpet, the leadership meeting, two trumpets, it's the general assembly. And what would happen if an alarm sounded in Numbers 10.5? The camps that lie on the east parts shall go forward. The camps that lie on the east parts shall go forward? So that's the first alarm, Right. right? Yeah, and then what would happen if a second alarm sounded in Numbers 10.6? Then the camps that lie at the south shall take their journey. Very interesting. Um, so this is a way to organize the movement of the people. That's right. Okay. The east and then the south. Um, very, very interesting. Who was in charge of blowing the trumpets in Numbers 10.8? Uh, it's going to be the sons of Aaron, the priests. They're responsible for blowing the trumpets. Very, very interesting. You know, a lot of people don't realize this, but in the priesthood, they not only had sacrificial system going on, but they had priests that would sing, priests that would play instruments. So there, there was a place for a lot of different Levites there. Uh, I love this one. We're going to be sharing this a little bit. Numbers 10, 9. When the children of Israel go to war against their enemies in their land, what was the Lord going to do when they sounded an alarm? Uh, numbers 10, 9, it was the remember them. Remember them, you know. Yep. It, it, it's interesting not to take it out of context or anything, but... Uh, I, I shared with the congregation last night that we are to come against that spirit of infirmity. The, this year we've been battling some sickness and, and, and things, and uh, we know that it can only slow us down. It can't stop us, but we're going to get through this. And uh, we sound the alarm. We sound the shofar uh, because he will remember us. 
and ask that spirit of infirmity to leave our camp because by his stripes we are healed. Amen. In Yeshua's name, we are healed. When it's a way to call out to God and that God would, would, would come, he'd show up. It's like the bat signal. Absolutely. Except for God. That's it. Blow the trumpet. Now, here we go in Numbers 10, 10. List three other times when the trumpets were blown. See, I want to read this one because I like this verse. We read it every new moon. Um, and so here it is. It says, Also in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days and in the beginnings of your months, ye shall blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over your sacri- the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that they may be to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. So the three... Uh, times that the trumpets were blown were feast days, the new moon, and uh, sacrifices. And we don't have time to get into it, Ryan, but there's a lot of references to the trumpet being blown in the Bible. Uh, once again, the law first mentioned, the first time the trumpet was ever blown was, of course, I believe in uh, Exodus 19.16. Yahweh blows the trumpet over his people, and he will, of course, blow this trumpet in the last days to assemble us. Uh, love to get into that, but we don't have time right now. we got a lot of subject matter to discover here. Uh, the journey continues. Another bullet point. The journey continues. How many of you are in the journey? Come on, somebody. I'm in the journey. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Where did the children of Israel go after leaving the wilderness of Sinai in Numbers 10-12? So in 10-12, they went to the wilderness of Paran. All right. Paran, Paran. Yeah, P-A-R-A-N. So there they go. They're on the move. Another Another encampment. Uh, now, list the tribes in the order they journeyed in Numbers chapter 10, verses 14 through 28. List the tribes. Here we go. Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Reuben, Simeon, Gad, Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, Naphtali. And they're in their encampments. They're in their uh, marching orders there. Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Reuben, Simeon, Gad, Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, and Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Mm. Once again, not everybody wants to go on the journey, folks. When Moses invited his father-in-law to go on the journey with him and to share in the promise made to the children of Israel concerning the promised land, what was his response in Numbers 10.30? Well, in Numbers 10.30, he went back to his land and to his kindred. Once again, Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, he went back to his land and to his kindred. Just a little reminder, everyone, not everybody is Israel in this world. Not everybody is grafted in and has a right action. So just be thinking about that as you respect people's free will and how they choose to to serve the Lord or God, you know, respect that free will in people's lives. This reminds me of that meatloaf song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. (laughs) Okay, we're not even going to go there on that one, folks, but... Yeah, that's a blast from the past. But, you know, the thing is, I just want to encourage all of you as you go through this thing called life, that it's about being relational and it's about unconditional love. It's about helping one another, you know. And and like I said, if, if you're in a situation, you know, that you get to share your faith or who you are, what you believe, that you're part of the Commonwealth of Israel, by all means, share it. But, hey, do not throw your pearls before the swine. You know, uh, some people will use it against you. So so the journey should be exciting and fun, you know, and and uh, one of my things I like to tell people, you know, and they'll say, how you doing? You know, and I'll say, man, I'm living the dream. Living the dream. And I'm actually living the dream. You know, Come my on. father said, you take away a man's dreams, he has nothing. I dream every day about the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. And what part can I play in that? You know, what, what, what can I do? Because one person can make a difference, just like you. This is getting good now. Oh, here we go. Because, you know, when they're traveling, they got the ark. 
That's right. The ark is like the throne of God. It's just incredible. Uh, what did Moses say when they moved the ark forward for a three-day journey? Numbers 10.35. I love this because this is part of our, our Torah liturgy. You know, when the ark would travel, Moshe would say, and here we go, Numbers 10.35, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. Oh, the haters better run. Yes, right. The haters are going to hate. Yeah, they say haters going to hate. Listen, the Ark of God represents the throne of God. Remember that, you know? And when the temple veil was torn into from the top to the bottom, Yahweh wanted to get out. And that's the thing. We always try to strive to get into the Holy of Holies. But Yeshua has given us access through his shed blood, through his death on the cross. We can boldly come to the throne of grace. That's right. But the thing is, you have those other three pieces of furniture there, you know, and that's, that's what's really, really interesting in the times in which we live. Uh, what did Moses say when the ark rested at Numbers 1036? Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. And that thousands is 10,000 10, thousands. thousands. Blah. Wow. Blah. It's interesting, you know, if you go back to Daniel in Revelation, there's thousands upon thousands ministering to him around the throne. That's right. What a sight to behold. What an incredible place to be. Now we're going to go into our favorite subject matter in all of our lives, complaining. Yes, it's a favorite, isn't it? It's something that we're all trying to overcome, but it's, it's, it's a favorite because it's the most relevant. It's the most evident uh, complaining, even with all that we have. So let's look at yeah, this. And being a father, really, you know, Oh, man. listen, the more children you have, the more complaining man. you have. You know, my sister congregation is doing well. Thank you. <laughs> What happened when the people complained in Numbers 11.1? Now the people complained. Uh, It says, uh, It displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. The fringe. So, you know, we won't get into it, but, you know, in Exodus, they needed food and water, and they cried out, and God understood that. They didn't want to starve to death. They, They didn't know how it worked. But in numbers, they're they're doing it again. And, and by God's now not they pleased know. with this. Yeah, they but should God's know. not pleased with this. So so what did Moses do in order to quench the fire when the people cried to him in Numbers eleven two? He prayed. He interceded for them again. Listen, people literally lost their life over this. Yep. So the next time you complain, just think about it. Do you want to do you choose life or death? Yeah. You know, people complained and God took them out. Now, you know, God doesn't change. So when are we going to stop complaining? When are we going to catch ourselves, right? Now, here's an interesting point. What two groups of people lusted after flesh to eat in Numbers 11.4? Uh, the mixed multitude and the children of Israel. You know, uh, every community has a mixed multitude. Oh, yeah. Every community has the children of Israel. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, there'll be those that'll come along and and be a part uh, and everything. There'll be those that'll buck the system, but you got to know that this mixed multitude is very interesting. Uh, it means gathered up together, a promiscuous assemblage. Promiscuous assemblage, this particular word uh, in the Hebrew, in this particular example, uh, means promiscuous assemblage. Now, this, this word is used also in Exodus 12, 38, uh, and the reference is, of course, and it's the Hebrew word, Ereb. Arab. Do you like saying promiscuous assemblage? Promiscuous assemblage. Yeah, because you know there's more than one of them in the pile. You know That's what I mean? right. There's more than one in the pack. Yeah. Because it takes two to tango. Well, I was going to say, how can you Birth be promiscuous by together. yourself? You can't. So here you go. But but this particular word in Exodus 12, 38, is that actually the connotation is the web or transverse threads of cloth 
Mixture, mixture, mongrel, mongrel, Arabia, woof, W O O F. So once again, a, a a mixture of people and things, you know, and one bad apple can spoil the bunch. So that's the thing that you got to watch out for. You know, you don't, you know, enthusiasm is contagious, but so is negativity. It sure is. Uh, so there's the mixed multitude. So you gotta, you know, gotta balance it out. You know, uh, balance it out. And uh, what six things did they remember eating when they were in Egypt? Numbers 11, 5. What were those six things? All the days when we ate fish and cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. Remember that? All the good old days. (laughs) All the the good old days. Back in Egypt. We all have to remember something. These people had a slave mentality. Yeah, they did. And they had to learn to trust God. And so it's only it's only fitting that they would reflect on on what they had. You know, if they if they if they were told to make bricks, they knew it when they were done. They would have food. They would have shelter, clothing. You know, they would have these things. Now they're going out into the wilderness, not knowing what they're going to get from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's where the trust comes in and the faith. So were the people tired of the manna in Numbers eleven six? Oh yeah. So what is that a sign of being ungrateful? Oh yeah. You know, they say that that if you read the in the context of this Torah portion, they were taking the manna and processing it the way they wanted it. It wasn't good enough that it was coming from heaven and you could just eat it. They wanted to process this thing, you know. Uh and and, and we're told to stay away from processed foods, right? Processed foods for the most part are not good if you if you really look at the con the, the contents or, you know, whatever ingredients so so think about this were the people tired of the man yeah so they were ungrateful uh did moses say to the lord that the people were a burden laid upon him numbers 11 11 do you ever feel like the people are a burden laid Listen, upon i'm him? embarrassed to say yes you know <laughs> but i'll tell you you know we we talked about this census they counted over six hundred thousand men of the age of 20 this man was running a congregation of at least 2.5 million people. Yeah, that's a few. If you add up children, if you add up the wives, yeah, I mean, this is an incredible exodus. Oh, yeah. Now, the Bible talks about a greater exodus that you know that no man can count that's going to be happening. So here we have it. You know, the bur- the, the burden's there, but you got to get alone. You got to pray. You got to have some you know peaceful time and 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 worship. You know, and 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 have a time to to recoup. Uh, so that's that's interesting. Uh, the, the 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 burden was put on him, you know, and uh, we're going to be looking at at some remedies for this. You know, I'm a strong believer in a lot of these things we're going to discuss now. The next subject matter is found in Numbers 11, 16 and 17. This is delegation and a shared spirit, right? Delegation and a shared spirit to help the the leader of the house, you know, yep. to help Moses. And and so, what did the Lord do for Moses so that he was not carrying the whole burden? So he would take 70 men of the elders of Israel and place the same spirit on them that was on Moses. Being in, so they would be acting as an extension of Moses, having authority uh, among the congregation. And so while this was happening and he was doing some damage control, how long did the Lord say he would feed the children of Israel flesh in Numbers 11, verse 19 and 20? For one month. Listen, be careful what you ask Tell for. Tell me about it. Be careful what you ask for. You know, one of my prayers is that, Lord, when I pray for something that I want that's not of you, please don't give it to me. When I desire something that's not of you and I really want it, please don't give it to me. Torah Rabbah. Thank you very much. Right? Yeah. Thank you very much. So this is interesting. As we go in the days in which we're living in right now, you know, we have a lot of challenges at Beit Tehillah. And, and the stronger the leadership, the more leaders we have, the better off we are to solve problems. 
to do damage control, to, to, to handle criticism or whatever it is, or to make Beit Tehila better. So what did the 70 elders do when the Spirit rested upon them? Numbers 11.25. They prophesied. They prophesied. It's the Hebrew word naba. It means to speak or sing by inspiration, in prediction or simple discourse. So you could get a prediction, right? Or a simple discourse. So as we come together and we have bad attitudes Ooh. and a long face, Ooh. I guarantee you, you will not be giving any inspiration out of your mouth. Mm. But if we come in anticipating or wanting to hear from the Lord. That's a or, good word for all of us. It, it really is, yeah. you know. So let's go in there. Let's see what the Lord's going to do because he wants to encourage us. So this is prophesied. Now, uh, very interesting how this thing's going to overflow into other uh, groupings of people and individuals. Uh, what were the names of the two men who remained in the camp and prophesied? Numbers eleven twenty six. So this is going to be Eldad and Medad, um, which is interesting because you know they're in the in the camp and they didn't end up going out of the camp where they, right where all the others went. So they stayed into the camp and prophesied. So for the sake of time, Numbers eleven twenty eight. Joshua the son of Nun, uh, he forbid them to prophesy to Moses. He says, Moses, these two guys are prophesying. They're not allowed. They can't do that. And so what was Moses' response to Joshua in Numbers eleven twenty nine? He said, Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? You know, going back to the whole prophesied, you know, uh, in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, we have a reference to three generations of people being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and actually being touched and, and inspired. Uh, and of course, it says, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will have visions. Old men will dream dreams. Yeah. Uh, the visions is fresh revelation from God, and there you have the dreams. Uh, and so this means to foretell events or speak under inspiration. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're not going to get dogged out in, 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 to, through prophesying. You're going to be actually inspired, and you're going to be encouraged. And once again, while this is going on, what kind of flesh did the Lord bring to his people in Numbers 1131? The best kind, quail. Quails. So it's interesting that while there's something going on in this community about complaining, at the same time, you see inspiration. You see a side of people that are, that are full of his spirit. I got that revelation. And the question That's we good. have to ask ourselves is, which one are we? There you go. There you go. And which one do we want to be? Yes. Yes. And Numbers 11.33 says it all in reference to being negative versus yep. the opposite of prophesying opposite of inspiration here's numbers 1133 folks this is door number two yep. i'll pick door number one but this is door number two for those of you that would like this one here we go and while the flesh was between their teeth ere it was chewed the wrath of the lord was kindled against the people and the lord smote the people with a very great plague thousands of people died yep you know and 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 here it is in the congregation in right. the community, right. right within the community, the community, and that's that's very disturbing. And so uh, we the people were buried at Kibroth Hataava, uh, Numbers eleven thirty four, and this place is is named the people who lusted. Yep, lust is never satisfied, ever gaining, ever wanting. Love fulfills. Love is a purpose, but lust is ever wanting and never never achieving really much good. Uh, last but not least, the last subject matter we have in this particular Torah portion is something maybe we can all identify with unless you're an only child. Sibling rivalry. What two people spoke against Moses and what for in Numbers 12.1? 
Miriam and Aaron, and they spoke against him because of the Ethiopian woman he had married, which was really just their excuse, right? Right. So, so once again, Miriam was the instigator. We'll discover this. Uh, Miriam was the firstborn. Aaron was the middle child, and Moses was the youngest. In Exodus seven seven, we see where Aaron was eighty three, and Moses was eighty. So, if Miriam is along the banks of the river, watching Moses in the little ark make its way to the daughter of Pharaoh, you know that she had to be older than the three. firstborn. Yeah. yeah. She was a firstborn. Yep. Uh, did Aaron and Miriam believe Moses was not the only one to whom the Lord could speak in Numbers 12, 2? They did. They certainly did. Which is a good point. I think we should all hear from God, mm-hmm. you know. But if you have a leader of a community saying, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. This is what we're going to do. And people want to buck that or come against that. Yeah, not you're, you're, you're dead in the water. You're stuck. You have to be in agreement yeah, you only hurt yourself. in the direction that you want to go. Where did the Lord call Moses, Aaron, and Miriam in order to speak to them in Numbers 12, 5? Uh, he called them to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. There's a lot of business take place at the gate, at the door. You know, decisions are made uh, in different things. Um, and here we go. This is personal. Numbers 12, 8. Uh, Ryan's going to read this in reference to uh, God choosing Moses to be his spokesman. Yep. So it says, With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall be shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So he's like, look, I appointed Moses. What are you doing? You know, as we go on into this story as well later on, we have an example of a transfer position and anointing in reference to Joshua. Right. Uh, Numbers chapter 27, verses 18 through 23. Uh, Moses literally is going to transfer his anointing and his position of, of leader to, to Joshua. Yeah. And Ryan, people miss this point. Joshua was an Ephraimite. See, it's time for the non-Jews to grow up. It's time for all of us to mature and be responsible. And this has kind of been the conversation that I've had with quite a few people. But, you know, when, you, when you're rebellious and stiff-necked and, and everything, come against leadership, it's not a good thing to do. Uh, so what took place after the cloud departed from over the tabernacle? Numbers 12, 10, what took place and, and happened? Miriam became leprous and Aaron looked upon her. So now she was stricken with leprosy because of her Lashon Hara, her disrespect. That's right. You know, the, the Jews go into a big discourse about this. Uh, the subject matter is, is a little deeper than that, uh, internal spiritual leprosy. But but it, it manifested on the outside and did Moses cry out to God to heal his sister, Numbers 12, 13. He did. Moses, again, interceding for the people that sin against him. Remember, intercession and not accusations. That's right. Let's make intercession and not accusations. And how long was Miriam shut out of the camp before allowed back inside Numbers 12, 15? So she was shut out for seven days, um, which is the standard, you know, time that somebody who has leprosy is put outside the camp, and then they come back. It's completion. It's cyclical. Right. Well, well, actually, they don't come back. Actually, the priest has to go to them. Yeah. So Miriam had to remain in quarantine for a week as if her father had humiliated her. Talking about the father spitting, you know, in her face, uh, which is disrespectful, but it's actually bringing this to light. And... uh, in closing here, we do have a reference to somebody uh, overstepping his boundary of, of wanting to be a priest and lighting incense. Uh, it's actually King Uzziah. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 1 through 23. Uh, but when he was strong in his heart, he, he, he became a little arrogant and prideful uh, at his great reformation and restoration of things that he had accomplished, even his bulwarks and his, his, his uh, 
war inventory, whatever you want to say. And, and so when he was strong, he decided that he wanted to light incense. And this is interesting. And that's first, well, second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16, but when he was strong, but uh, second Chronicles 26, 17 talks about how many priests tried to stop him, Ryan. It says four score priests, 80 80 priests tried to stop him and say, don't do this. Don't do this. And in verse 20 of Second Chronicles 26, he became leprous, put outside the camp, and died a leper. Oof. You know, myself included, if I could leave any thought for anyone at this point in time. For this podcast, I would say, let's humble ourselves. Let's, let's, let's get on our knees. Let's humble ourselves. Let's confess our sins to the Lord. Let's make things right. And be grateful. Let's, let's just really, really humble ourselves. And, and let the Lord use us in that regard, mm-hmm. you know, and not be arrogant, not be puffed up, you know, because, you know, pride comes before a fall. And uh, pride is something that blinds us. We're blinded to it. We say we don't have it, yet we do. And we have to have a, a gut check, you know, as Mr. Will Spire said, a, a gut check. You know, we need to be checking ourselves. Yeah. So what an exciting, exciting set of stories and just events that is just leading up to more things that are, I think, relevant for today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we, we end this tour portion pitched in the, the wilderness of Paran. And uh, as we go, you'll, you'll hear of all the different places that they end up. But uh, praise God that we can learn from these examples. That's what uh, uh, you know, we learn in, the, in the, the New Testament is that these are examples for us so that we might know what to do and what not to do. And so let's, uh, let's heed these examples and remember to have a grateful heart. And, uh, and thank God for, for everything that we have and our provisions that he's given us and ask him, what can we do to help further his kingdom? And so um, if you guys want to reach out to us, you know how to do it. Uh, info at topraise.net is our site where you can uh, watch live on Saturdays our general uh, uh, Sabbath services. And then every week here, uh, our, our, uh, our podcast is on SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you want to get it. Uh, you can usually uh, find it. And uh, make sure you guys like and subscribe uh, to our podcast so that you'll get updates, uh, whichever you know venue you're using, um, to to know when we put out a new podcast. We put one out every single week, uh, sometimes more than one a week. And uh, and God bless you guys. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.